this is exciting. Today we have here Paul Farvar, is that what you Yeah, say? that's right. Okay. Um, and so we're lucky enough to be connected uh, through Brittany, Brittany Brave. Yeah, she who, did uh, my podcast. She's She loves podcasts. So yeah. She, she did the podcast in Miami and uh, she, rec- I mean, I told her I was starting up Local Voice of Chicago and she basically, you know, said you would be a great person. So she kind of helped me out and connected us together. And funny enough, I was going to the Laugh Factory uh, that Tuesday, last Tuesday, and uh, I got to see your show. So. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what show that was. So Tuesday night. Oh, uh, uh, okay. You, you change up your jokes like every day or what? Uh, I don't remember. Was that the one with Ryan Dumpster? Or was it? Uh, Ryan Dumpster? I don't know. I don't know. But um, uh, anyway, I mean, no, it's... Uh, it's a I change thing. them up, yeah. It depends on what I'm working on. Okay. So, so if you saw you at, at Laugh Factory, so uh, comedian here, you would... Like, if we saw you four days... Four nights in Laugh Factory would be a different kind of convert, different Absolutely. jokes every time. Yeah, if you, if unless I'm like, I, there was a week when I don't know if you were there that Tuesday, but there was a Tuesday uh, a couple weeks ago where I was recording a special that Friday that had to be like squeaky clean. So I was working on some old jokes that I haven't done in a while. So if you came to that show and then you came to a show on Saturday, it, there would have been. Between the two 15-minute sets, there would be nothing the same because they were totally different okay, um, cool. things. But there'll be a little here and there. It all depends. But Yeah, no, I was impressed by the venue. It's uh, yeah, one okay. of my favorite venues that I've been for comedy. I can only imagine when there's, you know, post-COVID and there's no more rails in front of your face. But, yeah. Uh, you know, they do what they have to do, you know. Um, but, and bigger uh, rooms, too. A lot of things are socially distanced right now. And we as comedians need everyone packed in because laughter is contagious so during the pandemic you kind of learn there'll be pockets of laughter we're in the back in the old days yeah. there would be a laugh and then everyone would laugh, be like a wave but now it's like you kind of almost have to wait and sit on the laugh until everyone until else it spreads. catches up it spreads yeah a little less fast sometimes it doesn't spread so. so yeah so uh one reason you probably know Brittany is uh so you actually went to miami over pandemic right were you doing some jokes over there i did uh not miami but i was in uh sarasota and yeah. that area but i did do shows one week in miami but um uh mostly on the west side of florida i was doing shows for like a month okay. so all right all right paul well the reason that we do the podcast on a couch is so that we can sit back and get comfortable a little bit okay so let's talk about your story man uh what's my story yeah <laughs> so i mean we got to go from the start it's kind of like Local Voices is like every episode sure. of the biography, man. We got to figure out. So where were you born? I was born in Philadelphia. So uh, my dad was a resident uh, doctor there at UPenn. I was born there and we moved to the to Chicago when I was two years old. So I've been in Chicago pretty much since. Okay. And and so like, what did you study in school? Like what was your kind of like, so I, interesting. I was a lawyer for a long time before I did comedy. So in school... Uh, I studied political science and speech com um, because I thought when I was growing up that I would be uh, a politician, a senator, and or a musician or all those all the above. But comedy was never on my radar. Yeah, it re- I mean, rarely. It's usually later in life that people realize that it's become something that brings them great joy when they make others laugh. But you also have to have a certain amount of life experiences. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I definitely made. A, I started late, but. I also have more life experiences than most people um, that start comedy. Um, I was a lawyer for a while. I was a musician for a while. I was a band manager for a while. I worked on campaigns for pol- politicians. 
So like I did all that stuff and I have like um, different things to talk about from stage, but it's definitely not the traditional route. Right. So when did you first go into comedy? I started comedy 10 years ago. Um, well, about 11 years ago, I started taking improv classes at Second City. And then I did stand up for the first time 10 years ago. Okay, so it was just a progression from starting to study comedy a little bit? So when I went into improv, I only went to improv because my friend was a comedian and I was trying to push him to, to pursue his passion. Because I was like, look, I pursued music. It didn't work out, so I went to law. You're going to regret it if you don't. And he said to me, I'll only take this class if you take it with me. And to me, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm just going to hang out with my friend. Um, and it'll maybe make me a better litigator as a lawyer because I was a trial lawyer. Um, and then our coach, my first level, Second City, took me and my friend aside and we're like, I hope you guys continue this. You guys are, you get it. And that's kind of resonated with me. And I kept taking classes and studying comedy. I go all in on stuff. So like I read the books, I went to classes and um, watched the movies. Like I got obsessed with with all types of comedy and then then uh then i did stand up i did an open mic and i'm still chasing that high yeah what are some of your favorite movies i love like your inspirations um let's see man favorite movies i'm not like a huge movie guy but um i liked i like anchor man and 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 stepbrothers those are like my yeah. favorite comedies i think so will ferrell will ferrell's inspiration absolutely i think he's hilarious in terms of comedy movies that are like just classics in my book right no oh, yeah i mean it's some you really have to be kind of you have to have no sense of humor to not appreciate some part of will ferrell although, yeah you know it is a little not fratty but it's like you know it, it, it's definitely a certain style um but john c Riley is so funny too like his characters and even in, in the other movies with will ferrell he's just such a such a amazing talent in my book i think he's like one of the most underrated people okay but will ferrell of course is great too but so i want to i want to cover first this music dream so like what was your yeah what, you were like singer guitarist like what's, i was a guitarist uh i played in like a ton of bands um we did like singer songwriter stuff a lot of like 90s post grunge stuff like i had a lot of female singers that i played with um, and I wrote a lot of the music. I played guitar, I sang in the background mostly. Um, but I did lead sing in some bands too. I wasn't good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that I thought I was going to do. And uh, I was. I went to law school as a fallback. I'm like, maybe I'll be entertainment law. Or maybe I could kind of leap. I don't know if you know who Beto O'Rourke is, but he ran for Senate in Texas. But he was a musician that went into politics. And I was like... That was kind of what I thought I would do. Mm. I thought I would be a politician. I'd be like, I'd be a one-hit wonder, use that fame to like... Do what you really want. Platform into politics. But right. then I just got burned out of politics. And, and I got burned out of music, too. Yeah. Well, you know, politics is tough. You know, it's yeah definitely a tough job. And it also takes, you know, a bit of either fight or popularity to, to kind of like right. get, get your place. So it's, yeah, it's something that you can... Once you have that, then you can jump into politics and have a great impact but you know so you don't need to like force it either sometimes you know so i mean the music is do you, do you still jam you still enjoy playing or so during the pandemic i was in florida i bought a guitar down there uh so i could like get my fingers back like get the get the calluses back 
Um, and then I talked to, so one of our, my bands got signed to a label 20 years after the album came out. The album came out in like 96 and we got signed in 2016. So our songs are on like CSI Miami and we started seeing all these checks. And we're like, maybe we should get back together and write some shit. Can I swear on this thing? Yeah. Right. Right. Shit. Sorry. Well, I already did. Um, so then we started saying we're going to play again. And then, um, a couple of venues like reached out to us like if you guys do a reunion show we'll we'll have you there so i still jam but not as much as i had i wish i did i always put it on to-do list like today i'll be like right you know work out play guitar and it's like always i put one in each of my rooms but i never pick it up as much as i want to yeah well you, you i mean it's for some people who like have never progressed enough to like find flow in an instrument and it's like I don't know. For me, it's it's always a challenge to, to play instruments, but I try, and I'm more um, my brain's kind of otherwise. But I guess for some, it's a huge release whenever they're in the mood for it. Do you you get moods to go in, into music or no? Uh, so for me, I'm a performer. So uh, even when I was uh, in bands, I was more. I just liked the live shows. I hated practices. A mm. lot of bands that I left or were kicked out of were because. They wanted to practice like three days a week. I'm like, let's just do shows. So for me, it's all about if there's an audience or I'm playing with somebody else. I, it's hard for me to play a guitar by myself. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 true. That that kind of separates some of the greats. Yeah. You know, you got to really like playing by yourself to get really good. But, right. Um, okay. So you were, were you a really pretty pretty good lawyer? Like, would you, would you say so? I mean, yeah, I shit on myself on stage, but I was actually uh, top 40 under 40 lawyers at one point uh, in Illinois, and that's voted by my peers and judges. So I won a lot of trials. So like I actually, a lot of lawyers don't actually go to trial. I actually had big trials against like big law, big law firms. So I think I was pretty good at it, but um, I just wasn't, I, I didn't get into the the day-to-day stuff like I wasn't like a smart lawyer I was just a good arguer I was good in court I wasn't good at like reading case law and because I have like undiagnosed ADD right so you weren't necessarily like doing the most homework of all the lawyers but you were like a performer <laughs> you were like as a performer that you are you yeah. ended up performing pretty well uh, on in pressure the one thing that I learned from improv which was you know and as a com- comedian you you listen better and lawyers don't listen they always want to talk. And I remember preparing all the time for court uh, arguments that you have like a motion or something up. And then I would bury myself because the judge might be on your side already. And I remember a time where after I started taking classes and improv, I would just stare at the judges. I wouldn't be as prepared as I used to be because I had less time because I was performing and doing all this stuff. And I just remember looking at her and just being like, I know she doesn't like what he's saying right now, opposing counsel. So I just remember going to her and be like, Your Honor, just like shrugging my shrug, shrugging my shoulders. And uh, she's like, you're right, counsel. And she just, I didn't say a word. And I won that motion. Because it was just like, you learn as a comedian to like, you sh- good lawyer, good comedians are aware of their surroundings. They're aware of the crowd, what they're laughing at, what they're not laughing at. And the same holds true with comedy or with law. I think, I think I was aware of what needed to be done. So I was good at arguing in front of courts and talking to clients. Yeah. But I hated researching, uh, yeah, writing the boring stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
But so you also mastered the pauses, it sounds like. I mean, comedians and salespeople, uh, you know, lawyers all know about like strong pauses at the right yeah, time, like not, not talking too much, you know, and that's a very important skill that you learned. Um, so you leveraged it into this sort of brand. So what is this uh, Better Call Paul? What is Better that? Call Paul is just the uh, shirts that I sell. But I had a show called Everyone's a Lawyer at Laugh Factory for two years. Uh, and up until last month, we might re we might bring it back, but it's just three comedians acting as lawyers. And it's a show we pitch for network. We give them legal cases. I host it. And then you have lawyer comedians acting as lawyers. So it's, ah. it's a pretty fun show. Um, it's on my YouTube page. You can watch some of them. It's basically highlights how funny some of these comedians in Chicago are when they're not, even when they're not doing prepared stuff, they're off the cuff hilarious. Yeah. Well, you're, you're basically putting, setting up a situation like a sustainable, repeatable situation of yeah. it's a sketch. It's a sketch. It's a comedy game show format. where um, it's not, it's not, it's not written. It's a lot of improv, but it's a lot of uh, like, they know some of the stuff we're going to talk about, but they're just so good on their feet. Uh, the comedians that we had on the show where I knew I've been doing comedy. I know which ones will do well. And it was just, sometimes I would just host a show and I'm supposed to run the show, but I'd be like a spectator just watching and be like, oh, sh- I still have to run this show. <laughs> so, I mean, I had so much fun on that show, but um, yeah, it's just, it, we were pitching it for network and then COVID hit. We were going to film in Burbank and then now we're just kind of waiting to see what the producers want to do. Yeah, no, it'll happen. Uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, Chicago is pretty epic comedy town. Uh, but you're from Philly. What well, if, I was born there, but you're I born grew in up Philly. Here, but, yeah. All right, so you really didn't spend uh, too yeah. much time there. But in your travels, because it sounds like you have done quite a yeah. bit of travel. What is like? What is the city that your comedy hits best? You think? Um, man, I like to say everywhere, but I don't know. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a venue more as, right. as a city, um, but I like there's a lot of venues in Scottsdale, Arizona that I like. Well, that's uh, isn't that Better Call Saul is based out there. It's in New Mexico. So, yeah. <laughs> I did uh, I did watch that show. Better I, Call I Saul. didn't watch Breaking Bad, but I watched Better. Call I didn't Saul. like Breaking Bad because it got too dark for me. Yeah. I didn't want to. I've like, never seen it. It was too dark for me. I but I like Better Call Saul. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> Bob Odenkirk, um, and I, I love the show. I only saw like two episodes of Breaking Bad, which I you're not supposed to do that. But um, yeah, I like Minneapolis. I think that's yeah. a fun town. They're smart. Madison, of course, is one of my favorite cities. I like places that are uh, smart crowds that get my stuff. I think I don't think I'm like highbrow by any means, but I do feel like it's a little smarter than than you know like a, a blue collar venue, although. Some of my favorite venues are like these blue collar venues in like Indiana or Arkansas that I that I love too. So. Yeah. When do you get invited out to Arkansas? <laughs> I do shows at a club called the Looney Bin there uh, once a year, and I'm going back there. I think this summer. I forgot the date, but it's this, it's in Little Rock, Arkansas, and they're just fun crowds. They're just silly and they're fun. They listen. They, you know, like people shit on small towns, but for comedy. It's the only thing that's going on in that town sometimes. And they all come to comedy. In Chicago, on a Friday night, you have 20 options. Right, a lot of, a lot of competition. In Little Rock, there's a concert and comedy. So people are coming. And that's, I'm sure there's other stuff too. But like the smaller towns, the second markets, as they call them, are the flyover cities. Those are, they appreciate comedy sometimes right. better than 
New York, LA. You guys are some of their biggest stars that they get to see. Yeah. You know? They always say thank you afterwards. They're just like, thank you for coming to, you know, whatever. I think Todd Berry had a book about it where he's like, thank you for coming to Harrisburg where he did his tour and just talked about it, all the shows mm-hmm. and that Gabriel Rutledge did it as well. Yeah. So, so you are like pretty, you know, homegrown Chicago. Uh, what is it you think that makes the city... I mean, do you know a little bit about the history of Chicago comedy? Can you share a bit about that? Maybe like before uh, Second City even? Or was yeah, that the first thing that started it? There was the players that started, that became Second City. I mean, yeah, I do know the history of Second City. Improv was, there was huge here. There's so many big names that came out of Chicago and the Second City market. Was Improv invented here? No, I mean, there was different forms of it here. The Herald was invented here, they want to say. There's a lot of big names that were here, uh, that were teachers here back in the day. Um, but stand-up was Chicago was never known as a stand-up city until more recently because improv second city IO um, all the, all that comedy stuff all those big names took over comedy and everyone that went to SNL um, or any of those sketch shows on TV were trained in Chicago one of the biggest places mm-hmm. other than New York and the groundlings in LA but Second City was a was a breeding ground for so many people. But Laugh Factory came here about ten years ago, and then Comedy Bar and all these other comedy clubs came. So and Zanies has always been here for over forty years. So now stand up is blowing up here because you can go up so many places in Chicago. So yeah. people are moving here before they move to New York or LA. Well, would any of those SNL or or Second City stars? Would, would they some of them definitely you know had one foot in stand-up comedy too so like wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't they also want to like go out and, and, and talk a bit and get get on stage well some of like chris red who who's uh was at second city but also a stand-up comic here in chicago he's an snl now he's crushing it but um most of those a lot of people on snl were not stand-up comics and they don't want to do like will ferrell won't do stand-up comedy oh yeah no he's he's done one man shows as like George Bush, but he doesn't. He's never done stand up. There's a lot of your, a lot of famous comedians will never do stand up. Conan O'Brien has never done real stand up. I thought no. everyone was like Jim Carrey, just get on stage. You know, he, he has some great stuff on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. No, Jim Carrey was was one of those guys that was a stand up, but then he was just such a good. He had so many characters and things that he can do. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different art form. Uh, Improv or stand up. What's one reason why I've, I've taken improv classes? Um, Boston, here? Oh, Boston, yeah. San Francisco. Might do some here eventually, but uh, great classes here. Basically, I still have never gone on stand up because I'm just like, I'm not someone who like premeditates a lot of stuff, and I just don't really have the desire to like. I don't know, be by myself like that. I don't know, like I like I like kind of being with people vibing and kind of like ping ponging, yeah. you know. I loved improv. I know a lot of people. Improv and stand-up has like a love-hate relationship in Chicago. A lot of com- stand-up comedians kind of crap on seconds or uh, um, improvers. But I started with improv, and I still like respect it. I always wanted to go back and take more classes at um, the Annoyance Theater, which is here. Um, I mean, there are legends. Susan Messing's there. So many big names are there. Um, but I just never had the time. But I I think improv helped me become a better stand-up comic. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, a lot of... When I used to host an open mic, a lot of people would be like, I'm going to just do it once. 
and they always go there. But then some people will get the itch, and some people don't. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely it's different. Though. It's more thrilling. It's more it's more. To be honest, it, it is. I'm I have huge respect because it, it's definitely scarier. It's definitely you're all alone up there and the lights on you, and it's like, you know, it's definitely respectable, and and you have to. But it's a certain type of person who who likes. To, I know it's a, it's a skill that you could say we could all learn, but um, it definitely is more difficult. I'd say for sure. And uh, well, the best I, I really respect stand up comedians who. Like for example, Dave Chappelle. Like, like they don't necessarily. Like they're not. I mean, you could say they're they're not arrogant per se, but like they don't also not self depreciating. So like, I know that's like part of it. It's like I, I do that myself. I self depreciate sometimes, and it's it's fine. But it's like it's kind of cool when you can like kind of like get those laughs like with like keeping your keeping your kind of pride too. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. There's a there's a fine line. I think when you start in comedy, you just do a lot of self deprecation yeah. and. Uh, that was a big part of my comedy but now i feel like uh you know i'm more aggressive uh it's like being an alpha comic i guess but um i i combine i, I kind of waver you know because i do make fun of myself and how i ended up in this situation but i'm also proud of certain things and i i kind of like uh i look at things from a point of view of you know i'm better than some people yeah no honestly <laughs> i like that you said aggressive so that people do really respect sometimes when you're like, like, I think the best laughs are those where it's like, yeah, this guy is a savage. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some <laughs> like, of my favorite comics are comedians that are, they have nothing, they're not, I'm more of a storyteller comic, but some of my favorite comics in Chicago are so outlandish and crazy and they're just so fun. Like, they're my favorite comedians to watch. So, you know, we do... We, we get to do comics with we do shows with like five ten of the best comics in the country every night and there's certain comics i don't watch because they're similar to me and i don't want to pick up anything yeah. from them but there's comics i know if i watch i'm never going to pick up anything and they're so funny right, they're like so aggressive three, you can just like... um like jeff awesome jeffrey Osmus is one of my favorites um i think he's hilarious marty de rosa is of course one of my favorites Kristen toomey there's so many great comics here in chicago um I'm forgetting so many names right now, but uh, but they're like Jeffrey Osmus is so shocking. He divides the room so aggressively, and he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> He'll say the the craziest things, and it's so he makes me laugh. Yeah, absurdity, you know. Yeah. Well, he's also like he'll do political takes that people think you're on. He's on your side, but then he'll just turn on you, and it's just so it's so fun. He just shits on everybody. He's an equal opportunity shitter, which I love. But um, for me, I don't. I don't do that. Um, I don't do shock. I don't do comedy to, for shock value. I definitely have stuff that's like kind of like crazy or shocking stuff, but they're all based in truth. Right. And I think that's what's funny to me. Yeah. Well, it's you know you're putting your comedic twist on reality yeah. and your past. Um, so where do you where do you see yourself going, man? Yeah. In, in terms of like your future, like your your comedic art form, like uh, is there anything like you envision in terms of growth? I hope so. I don't know. I don't really know where I see myself. I actually just wrote about this on my LinkedIn thing. Like the question that I hated when I was younger was where do you see yourself in five years? Because I never knew. Uh, if you go back five years from now, I would never have pictured that I would quit my job to be a full-time comedian. If you go back 10 years, I wouldn't, comedy wasn't even on my radar. It was like, a, I was like, I mean, there's nothing that I can predict, but I just, I think good things will happen. Uh, Conan O'Brien's like a hero to me, and he said, 
if you work hard and you and you're kind, amazing things happen. I just work, I just work hard and opportunities arise and I, I see what happens. But I know what I want to do. I want to do comedy. I want to interview people. I want to have like a show. Um, well, you're kind of already doing the dream, right? So I'm already doing. Yeah, you're, like, yeah. you're already living the dream. So it's like you're you're kind of like imagine like an, an athlete like Michael Jordan like. Do you think that they're really? Oh, in five years? No, they're like, no, I want to, I want to win, I want to win the yeah. finals this year, and, and I'm just doing me. Like, they're not necessarily, you know, planning too much things. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'd like to be headline. I'm right now. I don't headline every show I do. I feature a lot. Um, I think by next year I'll be headlining a lot more. Um, but I also want to be doing more network stuff, more TV stuff, because uh, it's just a bigger, it's just a bigger um, market. You right. know, there's only, you see, you know, you get to do a show right now. I just did a Laugh Factory show. There's 110 people or whatever capacity is now because of COVID. But like to be able to do that show, like Chappelle is doing, reaching 6 million people. Right. To get on uh, Netflix, yeah. essentially. Netflix yeah, or, well, I just recorded my first special for, for Dry Bar. And if that gets picked up, that's 7.2 million people. But who knows? Um. I would rather, yeah, I mean, my goal is to do a late night, uh, do a stand up on a late night show, Conan, of course, but that's going to be gone. Um, and I want to interview people on my own show. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, I can't, you kind of understand, like, there's, there's kind of a pro- progression for you that yeah. you're already on that road. Right. And it's really just enjoying the process and, you know, just having fun with it. Obviously, comedy's got to be fun or it won't work. Right. <laughs> so, enjoying the process is key. Yeah. And people think, they always hear that you're that's such a common thing that people are like it's so just cliche to be like just enjoy the process but it's true for comedy like there's no shortcuts there's no shortcuts everyone always tries to find a shortcut there's none if you I, sometimes i got things before i deserved it but then you know everything adjusts it's like a fair it's a free market things are going to work out and then you just have to do the work. You have to put in the work. There's no shortcuts. And you have to enjoy it. Like, I'm trying to start to enjoy that more now. Yeah. Well, I mean... Smell the roses. Smell, smell the roses. Hear the laughs in your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, like, it's funny. I watch all these... Spe- this, my, I have to go through my sets because you have to record clips and post them on social media. But when I was during the pandemic, I noticed, like, as soon as I'm done with my set, I'm, like, shy. And I just don't make eye contact with the crowd. I'm like, thank you. I'm trying to be better about like looking at the crowd when I have a good set and just like take in enjoying it. What yeah. I just did. Cause I could never do that before. And now I'm starting to get better at that. Yeah. So I did read one thing about on your bio on your website about like, you know, you're from Middle Eastern family, right? Yeah. Your parents disappointed parents or something. Are your parents still disappointed in you? They're still they... in denial uh, <laughs> that I do comedy. I think they, last time I heard them on a phone call talking about, my brother, who's a doctor, he's a neurosurgeon, and uh, they said I'm a lawyer, which I mean, I was, but it's funny that they're still like in denial that I left my yeah. lucrative law firm to pursue what maybe one percent of people succeed in. Yeah, well, you at least have an amazing track record, so it's like you can go back to that life anytime, and that's also right. something you have in your back pocket, right? It's yeah. Of- you feel leveraged like you so know they that. say yeah they say it's i mean i think i could go back to it i don't know i don't i think well, I, you don't want to i hopefully i won't have to but yeah i think that uh there it's good to, to have that uh have that um skill set 
that I can use in multiple. It's a yeah. fallback. Yeah, it's a it's a fallback that I can even if I don't practice law, I have a law degree that can open a lot of doors for me. Hopefully, I won't need it, but I am trying to use what I have to separate me from other people. You know, applying for the same you know stand up stuff or shows. Right. What would you say is your like two key strengths? I think my key, my biggest strength is my hard work. Um, there's going to be, I've said this before on other podcasts, if there's 100 comedians, probably 70 of them are funnier than me, if that's the case. But I'm there's not going to be one of those people that will work harder than me. I will, if I have a hole in my schedule, I'm going to work my ass off to make sure I have a date. Like, right, when I go home from this, I just did the show. I'm going to go home and, like, start sending emails for dates that I'm trying to book in August. Because right. I want to be up every night. I want to be doing shows every night. I'll take a night off for sanity, of course. But I'm going to work harder than anybody. Um, Damn. I don't know what the second <laughs> skill set is. And that's my only thing that well, separates me. Well, I mean, so you're definitely persistent. or you're, I mean, yeah. it's so in your mind, it's kind of like a process where as long as you give yourself enough hours up there and enough experiences, then you're going to, you're going to kind of just keep improving. Right. I mean, I think so. I think that, I think if you asked all the comedians in the community here in Chicago, uh, no one will say that. I don't think that I won't be the person that people say is the funniest, but if you ask which one of these comics works hard than everyone else, I think my name will come up more than most. Right. If not all. Right. But the hard work, you know, it, it should pay off. Should, I mean, well, yeah, there's like, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's laughs and then there's how many laughs overall. So yeah. I think you're kind of keying in on like, I'm going to make the most people laugh overall. Right. <laughs> like yeah. in a year, I make more people laugh than you at your four shows, Dave Chappelle. Like, right, right, like, right. <laughs> right. That's a good way to look at it. I didn't think of it that way. You, but... So you actually have a big heart actually, you know, you care a lot about like making people laugh, you know? I do. I also, I also care about the Chicago community. Chicago is a big part of my life. I love this city and uh, it's hard for me to even think about leaving it. But like, I want to make sure, you know, the comedians that work hard here, I take care of them too. Like I always have opportunities that I can't, because I work hard, there are times that I can't do a show, but I'll always look out for the comedians who uh, I think are not only funny, but like work their asses off too. Cause I think for me, what I've learned from all my jobs that I've had careers, if you work hard, having talent is one aspect of it but like i was never the best musician i was never the best lawyer like um i was never the best tennis player before i played tennis uh but um i worked harder than most people and i got to the levels of people who had the natural talent and i don't want to i see a lot of great comedians waste their talent because they don't want to put in the work mm. but there's so many comedians over the last 10 years i've seen that were probably the funniest sets i've ever seen like five minutes i'm like okay i can't wait to see what they do when they get 10 minutes or when they get 30 minutes and then they're no longer on the scene and you're like that was a waste to me i don't i would never want to see that happen to me at least i'll be like hey at least i tried yeah so yeah you probably have a big network of people you can you can hook up you can you i can see you even being like a good mentor right to like other comics if like if you work hard and you know how to set up shows yeah i always try to help yeah i did a fake comedy class at laugh factory with all the interns there we'd be while waiting to go up on stage i'd do like a fake 
lesson lesson every week but it turned into like some of them were fun like some were real and some were like you know just funny like don't sleep with other comedians which is true but <laughs> like uh stuff like don't run the light stuff like little things yeah so so yeah you don't want to hear yourself in those kinds of jokes over and over again uh with another comedian right, right. but uh but yeah so you know in, on the podcast we also like to cover I and mean, we covered pretty much some of your habits but like one key thing is everyone wakes up a bit different and like it's kind of key how you get your engine going or, and it's kind of unique too so what's like one of your good like healthy morning habits or something like that uh first thing i do is coffee obviously um and then i just check my emails for responses to stuff that i've sent out usually send a lot of shit out when i come home at night like at crazy hours because i'm up late and like i'll send emails to things at like two in the morning I'll check to see what normal people on normal times do. I did that when I was a lawyer too. Like I was not this late, but I was always a night emailer. I'll do that, and then I'll do social media stuff. You have to do uh, every day. Um, so now your messages in the bottle every night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I'm key. Like that's my favorite. I like to just get everything out there. So when I wake up on Monday, Sundays especially, like. I'm like, wake up, I've got like 10 emails to respond to. Like, yeah, that's, I am available that day. Like, yeah, because I'm not a morning person. So if I'm getting up at like 10, 30, 11, these people, especially on the on the other coast, like people have already started their day. I yeah. want to be like, they. I'm their first email that they saw because mine was at two in the morning. Right, but then that. they woke up and saw it right when they were fresh. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they don't have it waking up in the middle of the night, but I'm pretty sure nobody <laughs> does that. But comedians all have crazy hours, too. We all do. Yeah. They know that. Some of them probably see it late at night. And they're like, oh. I mean, that's a lot of comedians do that. I mean, I get emails from a lot of late night. It's fun to see what comedians are up late at night. Yeah. All right. So this is like a Chicago podcast. Kind of cover. Yeah. Um, you know, we cover all, all types of all parts of Chicago. You know, artists, uh, chefs, uh, you know, fitness trainers. So it's obviously the first episode of the season. 24 episodes be very exciting uh, nice. what are some of your what's a few of your favorite spots in chicago just like well portillo's is obviously my favorite food place in chicago uh wrigley fields because i'm a cubs fan those are and uh i love going to see live music so like metro uh lincoln hall uh double door which is no longer here but um live music cubby bear all these places I, those are the places live music good food and cups all right so hot dogs is one thing but like in terms of like other when you like uh, treat yourself restaurant wise like where do, where well, do you like to go i don't eat hot dogs in brazil's i think their burgers are amazing oh, yeah. but um for nicer restaurants i mean i think shaw's crab house is one of the best places i like shaw's i like gibson's for steak i like uh girl in the goat for like a fancier restaurant type place honestly I eat a golden apple a lot too. It's a late night diner and it's got great breakfast food. I love breakfast food. So before COVID, I would go there after shows with my computer, write for like two, three hours, drink coffee and get like a nice skillet. No. Okay. You know, it's like I'm, I'm pretty skillet of, what? skillet of eggs and turkey bacon, cheese and spinach. Man, that's probably what I'll end up doing tonight. Tonight? Yeah, yeah we'll see. You say you breakfast for before I'm bed. Not, yeah. 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 <laughs> I eat breakfast, breakfast all the before time. bed. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I love breakfast. Breakfast food, if breakfast is on the menu, anywhere I go, I will get it. Like, if that's an option, you have to get it, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> if someone orders, like, 
I remember a comedian friend of mine ordered like a chicken sandwich at IHOP. I'm like, are you insane? Like we're at IHOP. You have to get breakfast food. And it, it offended my core. Well, some people eat, some, sometimes people eat chicken and waffles or something for breakfast. That's fine. It's breakfast-ish. Even though I think sweet and savory should be separate. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a very, very a unique character trait. Yeah. Um, so this summer is going to be very fun here in Chicago. We have some festivals lined up. Um, you know, everyone's been kind of waiting two years to, to yeah. enjoy them, themselves. And, I used to love them. And so finally it'll be like, hey, you got your vaccine. doesn't count for capacity requirement or anything like that. Um, does, does, I'm pretty sure, does Chicago have a, uh, like a comedy festival or is there something? They used to have one, uh, they used to have a stand-up one, Just for Laps used to do shows here, but now they just do the auditions, which they're doing this month now. Um, there's not real, there's some improv ones and, uh, but there hasn't been one in years. There used to be a couple. Everyone tried to do like an independent one a few years, uh, my friend Zach Peterson tried to do it, but it didn't work out. Or he moved to Nebraska. But yeah, if you're hardworking, man, you should take advantage. You should you should jump into that opportunity. Uh, see, that's that's no, work. that's not the type of work that's that like you want to do. That's like work that I wouldn't want to get involved just because <laughs> I would I would be so it's organizing work. Yeah. yeah, like I already put, I already hate producing shows, but it's a necessary evil sometimes. Uh, but like I. It's, it's so much brain power that takes up instead of writing creative stuff, which I want to get back to. Um, so Yeah, hey, maybe Local Voices will organize it for everybody. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Do it. It sounds right. Local Voices Comedy Festival. Yeah, anyway, oh, yeah. it could be a possibility. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, here in Chicago, we like to cover a lot of different things. Um, and so, you know, one cool thing about Chicago, I think, is uh, just like the water life, you know, and, and how much space there is by the by the lake for exercise and stuff like that. One thing I noticed, I don't know, I guess it was a little pet peeve of mine. In, in Miami, you know, my, my place is right by a basketball court and a park and, and has everything. I think there could be a few more basketball courts uh, around the north side, even south side maybe. I think there could be some more basketball courts. That's my only, my only comment in terms of like, right now what things could be better but uh in terms of chicago is there is there anything you think we could we could improve uh man parking would be nice it'd be nice to have better parking or cheaper parking and uh traffic i hate traffic more than anything <laughs> but no i mean there's a lot of basketball courts all over i was just thinking like five within a block of me oh yeah like maybe i park. just live i just like i'm live a mile you away could, which is fine, no, it's fine. Go, there's one like right here that nobody knows about what? on clark and what? Uh, Wrightwood. Yeah, there's like a I, school. Well, I went over to Lincoln. There's one over there, Diversity Lincoln. And then yeah. there's obviously Oz Park. You're saying there's one closer than Oz there's Park? There's one closer than Oz Park. All right, yeah. I will have to follow up with you, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that, I think that uh, the only thing I would complain about is traffic and parking. Parking is so expensive now and traffic. Um, that's it. But that's, I love this city. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's hard. To, that's going to be, you know, forever an issue i mean at the end of the day we want to encourage more people to take the train take the bike yeah. you know walk whatever and that's an opportunity in chicago which is great so uh, i'm excited to explore different districts and stuff i think we're going to do uh so in miami we did uh, uh local voices art walks which were kind of like you know tea slash bar crawls mm -hmm. uh in different districts and it'd be like a photo contest so like the winner would get like 50 bucks and i think in chicago we'll do like 100 bucks to the winner the best photo Oh, nice. um so like giving people a chance to take pictures of different areas 
Uh, is there any like random district that's kind of cool that you, that you like to visit? Uh, no, I mean, I think there's a lot of cool areas where you can just walk in the city. Um, like I, I like to walk or drive. I don't like taking public transportation. I'll either drive places or walk. Um, but no, I mean, if you walk anywhere, there's like a lot of cool artwork. There's Lincoln Hall on Lincoln Avenue. If you walk down that alleyway, it's all art. Mm. I forgot the artist's name, but it's really cool. It's on Lincoln and Fullerton. Um, I like to walk there. Um, I'm not a big like lake guy. I don't really, I'm not no. a big fan of walking on the lake. But I like walking in the city. I like walking in the loop. Um, and there's so many. It's just a walkable city. Such a great walkable yeah, city. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's up there with Manhattan for that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Manhattan's totally much better walking. But well, it's uh, a little smellier, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I like that we don't have garbage in the front, which is so. Which is thanks to the Chicago Fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you gotta, everyone's got to go to the Chicago History Museum. Yeah. So oh, that's another place. It's I've, free I, and it's amazing. To, to I know highly the recommend the Chicago History Everyone's Museum to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, and also the Baha'i Temple, which is in Wilmette. It's a, one of the seven wonders of Chicago. It's beautiful. What, what kind of temple is that? It's uh, for the religion Baha'i, which my mom is actually. But it's if you Google seven wonders of Chicago, it's like this amazing temple. It's a hippie religion. They believe in all the prophets. It's cool on paper. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I'm not very religious. No, that's, that's random. It's a cool... If you... If you Drive on the highway ninety four. You can see it, but if you if you uh, Google the image of the temple, you've you've seen it. Like people always talk about it when they talk about Chicago. Okay, cool man. So uh, yeah, we're nearing the end here. Usually at this point, you know you know how it works. Uh, you know, thanks to Brittany, you know you're here sitting sharing your story. So who are some other people in Chicago that you think would be cool to interview in terms of just like hearing their story, their past. Oh man, any comedians that are regulars at uh, Laugh Factory would be fun to hear their stories. Um, um, There's a lot of good photographers here talking about your thing too. I was thinking about Ashley. Uh, She's a she's a photographer at Laugh Factory. She's awesome. Ashley Nicole. uh, She'd be a great person. Um, A lot of musicians too. That would be great too. I'd have to think about who. If you can get Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan? He'd be a good one. If you can get him to to pod. Um, Yeah, there's just... It's it's a cultural city with so much art. So much in terms of music, art, uh, photography, stand-up comedy, improv. I mean, there's so many people that I, I wouldn't... I don't know where to start. But for me... If you can interview comedians, that would be great. If you can interview musicians, that would be great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's perfect location here for, uh, you know, people who are in between sets at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, right. Know? It's like an amazing fallback. It's like, yeah, hey, you're, right just, next hey you, you're the first one. I think there's going to be many more to do that. I mean, it's just like a walkover. Plus, you didn't have the chili tonight, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to serve up some chili uh-huh. for people who didn't eat or want to, like, a quick meal. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm pretty excited for the summer. Yeah, we'll have some more comedians some uh, definitely we'll, we'll cover a lot of fit, fitness trainers as well and there you go. um but really cover all, all all sides of the city you know it's a pretty incredible place and um definitely there's a there's a peak time where the vibes are uh, are golden there's a uh, fitness uh trainer and a comedian named anthony bonazzo you should hit him up so you can make two birds with one stone okay all right we'll do man thank you so much for being yeah the thanks first, for having me man the first local voice well oh, you should yeah. often do a high five right i'll do it man. you are the best I'm vaccinated and <laughs> and yeah it's gonna be a fun summer and so i'm really thankful we're gonna have to get a good picture of you by the way okay, at some point um and uh yeah i can't wait to see your next show at the laugh factory 
I will be there a lot um, on the weekdays this summer because weekends I'm touring again. So. Okay. Awesome. Next show is Tuesday or? Uh, yeah, I'm there Tuesday with Ryan and Ryan Debster and friends on thir- Tuesday and then I'm headlining there on Wednesday. Okay. Awesome. For the All right. verified laughs. I'll see you there, bro. All right. Thanks, man.